Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Candace and Kayla, and we are directionally challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our wait for it, our 30s. But surprise, we don't. <laughs> we don't. I thought I'd switch it up a little bit. I love it's it. just the especially I'm like, I'm turning 34 this week. I'm like this is hilarious that I thought like Wait, a couple years ago. You're going to be 34? Oh my 34. God, it's so old. Stop it. You look great. Life is good. 34 Thanks. is a great age. And you know, it is it is what it is. And that's what we're owning. I say if you have accomplished a lot, if you are happy, if you feel good in your body and doesn't matter, really matter how old you are, you celebrate your birthday no matter what age you are. Oh, no, no, I'm fine celebrating it. Okay. It's it's just funny that when we started this podcast, we like really thought like, you know, we, we, you know, we could have had it figured out by the time we're in our 30s and we don't. And like the more in our 30s we get, we're like, oh, no, we're we're, we're never supposed to have it figured out. Like that is actually (laughs) never supposed to happen. What happens when we're in our 40s and still doing this? I know. (laughs) It's going to be even better. It's going to be great. Um, Which is why I'm really excited about uh, today's podcast because it's just got me. uh, I feel like birth weeks always like bring up a lot of like Mm. thoughts and reflection. Do you do this around your birthday where you reflect? Yes. And I'm one of those that doesn't like my birthday because of it. I think I get too stuck in my head. And instead of enjoying it, it becomes, you know, analyzing how much I've accomplished throughout the year and what this next year should be trying to set goals. And it takes all the fun out of it. And I'm so stuck in my brain and I hate it. So I'm glad to hear that you aren't doing that. I usually I feel like I do that. And I something has shifted in this last year where I think like now it's more just like, okay, for 34, I need to drink more water and I need to like up that SPF level every day. Let's get real like that. You know, it's all happening. I just need to like take care of myself more. Um, It's more about that as opposed to like. like checking boxes because I'm like I I don't know I don't know if it's this podcast I don't know if it's just this experience we've all been through I don't you know of 2020 but for some reason I would think that 
I would feel like there's less time to get things done. And all of a sudden, for the first time in a really long time, I feel like, oh, that there, that there is time like that mm-hmm. there that I just I, you know, I can I'm I like this slower pace of enjoying life's little moments, like with my family and with my friends and the work in which I'm doing and my intentions behind it. And as mm. opposed to like keeping up with like this list of things I was supposed to accomplish, it's more like the, the why of what I want to do work wise is for curiosity because I enjoy work, mm-hmm. um, working with good people, you know, and, and just uh, because I enjoy it as opposed to like any other like expectation of that I've like in the past put on myself. That's great. It's a so I'm feeling I'm feeling 34. I'm actually like into it. I'm feeling good. good. I'm feeling really good. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I am so excited about the conversation that we're having today with our guest because I think that where you are in your life and figuring all of that out has so much to do with all the work you've done and the self help work you've done within yourself and. We know it's not meditating, but I will it's say it's not meditating, but it's everything <laughs> but else. I've done a lot of therapy. I've actually, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've definitely stepped up my therapy game in in the last year. Car therapy is my new favorite thing. Um, <laughs> it really is. I would love to say I've been reading a lot of books, but it hasn't been. I think it's honestly sitting down with um, people on this podcast, working with you, right. Kayla, and you, Melissa, our producer, and just uh, really taking on bigger questions in life and kind of examining them every Mm -hmm. week and also examining myself. And I feel like, and then being more encouraged to do that within therapy and counseling, um, which I've just really, really loved. And so it's a, yeah, I'm really excited for this podcast because I think it's a great opportunity for everyone to see um, patterns that they have and like maybe thoughts that they're thinking and holding on to too much. And like, how do we let go of those thoughts? Right. And like, how do we, I love the name of uh, our guest podcast, <laughs> which it feels, it always feels naughty to curse on this podcast, even though people do, but. Oh, we got this. We got this. Today we're sitting down with Kara Lowenthal. She is a master certified coach, host of the top rated podcast. Do you want to say it, Candace? No, you do it. I like when you curse, it makes me laugh. Unfuck your brain. And the creator of The Clutch, <laughs> a feminist mindset revolution. She is a graduate of Yale College and Harvard Law School. And she ended up doing what every Ivy League feminist lawyer does. She quit her prestigious academic career to become a life coach. She believes true self-love is a radical act for women. And because women who love themselves are women who change the world. We have a wonderful conversation with Cara Lowenthal from Un fuck your brain coming right up so we are here with Kara Lowenthal Kara thank you for joining us today we're excited to talk to you about self-help and why it matters I mean it's one of those things where it's a really buzzy word right we hear it thrown around all the time I know some people are really excited by it and other people roll their eyes at it and that's just the way that it is so talk to us why why does it matter so yeah I mean I think I think the term has these days is like more acceptable, but there's certainly this kind of derogatory history of like, I feel like, like who's in the self-help category. It's like, Oh, the sad lady with all her cats. Who's like looking, you know, <laughs> looking for the book, like how to trap a husband with all your cats or something. Like, I do think there's a sort of <laughs> exactly you know, like in a patriarchy, anything more associated with women ends up being kind of stigmatized. Right. So, um, but I personally think that, uh, self-help is really philosophy, right? It's practical philosophy. We're asking when you look at, I mean, it depends. There's a lot of kinds of self-help, I should say. But if you look at like the kind of coaching that I do and the self-help work that I think is important, it's struggling with the biggest questions that humans have always struggled with, which is like, what am I doing here? What is my purpose? Like, what is this human experience? How do I interact with other people? Like, how do I become more skillful at just getting through all of this, right? These are like Mm -hmm. some of the same questions that you know, Aristotle and Plato and Socrates were asking and nobody would be like, ah, that's just some little self-help there, right? That's like the canonical foundations of Western thought, basically. Um, And similar in in Eastern traditions too, like non-attachment to ego, non-attachment to thoughts, non-attachment to identity. These are things that you work on in in quote-unquote self-help and they're the underpinnings of major philosophy and religion. So I just think it's, you know, humans have always struggled with the same questions. It is very confusing to be a human. (laughs) We always have the same questions and we just put them in like different formats with different people as teachers as time goes on. 
Yeah, it's funny. I feel like even in when Harry met Sally, it's like Meg Ryan's character is like, it's self-help. And it's like, of course, it's only a setup for a meet cute. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like I'm here to work on myself. It's like I'm here. But now I just ran mm-hmm. into this guy from a million years ago. Um, I think here we are in 2021. We've all been through a very traumatic 2020. And mm-hmm. I think people need to be able to reach out and ask for help more now than ever, especially this younger generation and trying to, you know, remind, I feel like it's, a, it's a constant loop of saying, yeah, but we've all just been through a global pandemic, <laughs> which is uh, no one else has been through except like the few people who were around in 1918, right. you know? Right. And right. so we have to give ourselves some grace. And with that, it's um, just admitting that it's okay to ask for help. Do you feel that that is something that maybe we're all getting better at collectively? Do you find people who are seeking out your help? It's it's maybe the first time that they're seeking out mm-hmm. guidance? Um, I actually, you know, there certainly was, I think like at the beginning of the pandemic, a real uptick, right. And people kind of freaking out about what was going on, but my experience then and what has still proven me true. I mean, so the basis of what I teach is that it's not the things outside of us that cause our thoughts and feelings, right. It's our own brain. Right. And in a pretty surprising way, the truth is you can change the circumstance extremely dramatically, like a global pandemic. And what what you see is that people are having new thoughts because there's like a new thing to be thinking about, but it's along the lines of whatever they already struggled with, right? So the people who had financial anxiety before the pandemic, they then have financial anxiety about the pandemic. The people who were struggling in their relationships before, now there's now it's exacerbated, right? So it's like the change in circumstance did heighten things. And of course, like, and even something as obvious as like, well, it's a disease. So what about anxiety about that? Well, what we saw is that a lot of people were like, not at all concerned, right? Because (laughs) of their thoughts. And then a lot of people were extremely concerned, right? And people who had health anxiety before tended to have more health anxiety about COVID. That's not a judgment on whether the anxiety is like warranted or not warranted. I obviously believe in COVID and am vaccinated and have been social distancing and all the rest of it. But it was just such a perfect example of being like, you know, we can change the circumstance. Now we're all experiencing the same circumstance and yet we have dramatically different thoughts about it. So I don't feel like I've seen an uptick sort of due to COVID, but I do think it's so important, like try to use this as an opportunity to give yourself some grace rather than people are like, okay, well, I've been at home all year with a global deadly pandemic and I should also have like turned into a master baker and like... Right. 20 pounds. And like, I keep telling my clients, like, think about like the Black Death, you know, which like went through Europe and killed about a, a quarter to a third of the population over 100 years. So you just imagine like a peasant, like coming out of their hut during the Black Death and being like, I was supposed to get my bikini body while I was like in here trying to survive the bubonic plague. Like, that's ridiculous. But that's what we're doing. So then why is it so complicated? I mean, you talk about how you you really do. I really mean this. It's so fucking hard. You say unfuck your brain, fuck that noise. Mm -hmm. But still, it doesn't really matter how it's put. It seems like it's so complicated for all of us. What's it being a human? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is fucking hard because we basically are monkeys that learn to live upright and like invented a lot of complicated things. I mean, the the reason that we... I guess I'm giving, I'm giving away that I believe in evolution. I mean, not everybody does, I guess, but it really, the reason it's so complicated, I mean, there's so many different answers depending on what you believe, right? What I believe is that we have a brain that evolved over time and, but it's, it's not like, um, you still have the old parts of your brain. It's not like, it's not like an upgrade where your phone like wipes the previous operating system. And like, now it's just the upgraded one. It's like still got the old one. So you have the part of your brain that evolved, that you share with a lizard that is just devoted to keeping you alive. And then you have like the part of your brain that you evolved that like more complex mammals have. And then there's a part of your brain that only humans have like the prefrontal cortex. And so they're all in there trying to work together in one body that's trying to navigate a very complicated world. Mm. And they didn't evolve in this world. So I just, I think that like a lot of what humans find confusing and distressing is their own sort of Um, unregulated emotional response to the world. And a lot of that is driven by, you've got this primitive brain that's always scanning for danger and like freaking you out because it's just trying to keep you alive. Then you've got like, you sort of, there's the intermediate level of your brain that sort of processes emotions and basic thinking. And then you've got your prefrontal cortex, which can understand like, you know, chaos theory and 
Socrates. And like all these parts of your brain are trying to live together. So I think that's what makes it confusing and complicated. It's like, it's like being a toddler and a 40 year old and an 80 year old all at one time. (laughs) And like, that's a lot. It's very confusing. The toddler part of you is screaming because it can't have a cookie. And the middle part is like trying to do whatever. And then the 80 year old part like has some wisdom to offer you, but you can't hear it because the toddler's screaming. Like, I think that's (laughs) what's going on all the time. Well, not to mention the social experiment of now throwing in technology, the internet, constant communication, uh, social media, and the effects that that has on the human brain and the human just experience as well. And I feel like, you know, with this pandemic, we've all been online more than ever. And I think that that's going to be an interesting shift as well as getting reacclimated to being offline and being around each other again. And, you know, being in a proper work setting or a classroom setting um, or just a dinner setting, uh, because I've found myself um, I had a baby about five months ago and and I was rocking her and 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 which is a very primal like you know, thing. I just, I'm just holding my new baby and I'm rocking her as she goes to sleep. And I'm just realizing in my brain that I feel like, oh, I, sh- I don't have my phone next to me. I should have my phone. And so this is, we had an episode about like addicted, being addicted mm-hmm. to like cell phones a couple of years ago. Yes. But, um, but here I am all over again, because I feel like during this pandemic, I've just gotten so acclimated to being you know, in contact with everyone through this medium. And I think that that's going to be an interesting adjustment too. And and you talk about like the thoughts that we think and also I'm taking into consideration the thoughts that we've fed ourselves through the phone over the last year. Have you felt a lot of people have gravitated towards those thoughts? Does that make sense? Yeah, I do think, of course, there's been an exacerbation for some of that, for some of us. Um I think I also tend to take the long view, which is that there's always a technology panic whenever humans get adapted to a new technology. So there's always like a moral panic around it and a fear that it's going to destroy human relationships and society. So it sounds hilarious to us, but when they invented the telephone, there were all of these like thought pieces in the newspapers and the, the you know thinking of the day that this was going to destroy human civilization because people wouldn't write letters anymore. People were going to become stupid and people were going to become alienated from each other. And it was going to like... Um, kind of degrade communication, right? And like that happened when we invented the phone, that happened when we invented publishing, right? Like now we think of books as like the smart, wise, old fashioned, like (laughs) antithesis of the cell phone, right? But when they invented mass publishing, there was a whole outcry that like now everybody could get their hands on any kind of books. And there was like an entire moral panic about women reading books because they were just going to get all these ideas that were going to make them like run around being lascivious and not staying home and being good wives and mothers. And that, you know, it cheapened the literary word for anybody to be able to buy a book. Like any common peasant could get a book. You didn't have to have a scribe in a monastery. So it's not that I don't think that tech- I do think each of these evolutions has like impacted how we, how we think, but I do think sometimes the fear or criticism of them is like lacking some of that historical context. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this idea that we always want to be connected to other people and cell phones have made modern communication so constant. I do think that's true. Of course, it's exacerbated. And I also think humans evolved in tribes where you did get to talk to all the people that you knew all the time. And that was the norm. And if you read like Victorian novels, people are writing each other seven letters a day. (laughs) <laughs> like they're constantly communicating. They really are. And people, and if you're, if you were wealthy, either you were poor and you lived near everybody you knew. And if you were wealthy and could actually get away from anybody you knew and lived in your own house, the, you had your footmen running the the note. Like you're, they were constantly bringing the, the mail to you five times a day, the drawing cards and the letters and the whatever. So it's not that I don't think technology impacts us, but I just, I think like in every generation we get amnesia and then we're like, Technology is making a whole different human when I don't think that's the case. But I do, of course, you know, those people who have been social distancing, I think the pandemic has, I think it's affected people differently. You know, if you were super extroverted and used to going out a lot and you severely change your lifestyle, then yeah, you're going to become more dependent on those technologies. If you're someone like me who is like thrilled that there's no pressure to go anywhere or do anything now, like I don't feel like my relationship with it has changed that much. So I think it has Mm -hmm. a lot to do with, you know, your lifestyle, your brain, all of that. But I guess I give all that context because I just people like critique themselves so much. Yeah. Right. Criticize themselves so much. And then they think the only alternative is to be like, oh, it's the evil technology that's like infecting me. But then that freaks (laughs) them out, too. And I'm just like, what if we just acknowledge that humans always like to talk to each other a lot and we just use different formats? We like take the drama down a little bit. I like that. 
Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. It's interesting, too, because through the pandemic, it feels like some people did um, kind of what you just described, Cara, this idea of letting go and not feeling 
the that like they have to hustle at all and mm-hmm. the relaxation in it and then it feels like there's another type of human that was like no i need to hustle even though we're mm-hmm. still at home i'm gonna hustle the shit out of this pandemic <laughs> and i'm gonna like you know create my side hustle and then also do right. this and like all of you know so it feels like there were two sort of reactions and you have an interesting concept about the hustle mode that i read and it talks about how we what we do miss out on when we're constantly in hustle mm-hmm. mode which is um what what is it that we miss out on and why do we need to kind of let ourselves come down off of that hustle mode and maybe take advice from our friends who, you know, are embracing the fact that we have slowed down a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's different kinds of hustle and different kinds of slowing down, right? Like there's, I think the people who have felt relief are the people who like were introverted anyway, probably. <laughs> like we were, right. were kind of like, oh, now I don't feel it. I mean, especially if you live someplace like New York, like I do, it's easy to have a lot of comparison thoughts of like, everybody else is going out like five nights a week. I guess I'm supposed to be doing that. That's Uh what, you know, I think in terms of that hustle, it is the human condition, unfortunately, is how our brains work to think that um, the future, it's the future is better than where we are right now, or we want it to be better or it needs to be better. We always think that something external is going to make us feel better. Mm. I call it like looking for an exit ramp off the human experience where we're just like, I don't like this human experience where some days I feel amazing and some days I feel terrible. I want the version where I always feel amazing. And then we get sold that that version is available, which, spoiler alert, it is not available. (laughs) There is no exit ramp. It is not available. It is not an option. I was just texting with a friend of mine who's a master coach last night and she was like, yeah, but if I just get the perfect schedule, then I'll love my child all the time and I'll never be annoyed. And I was like, no, (laughs) not one of the options. Like there is, but we think it is, right? If we just Mm -hmm. optimize and hustle and get to the place and do everything right, we will arrive at the version of human life where it always feels good, right? And when you are, the irony is that when you're in that hustle, it doesn't feel good while you're in the hustle, right? So in your right. mind, it's like delayed gratification. It's almost like we can convince ourselves that we're being mature. We're like, oh, I'm going to suffer now because then the future I'll feel good. And that's like mature of me to have that delayed gratification. But you're cutting yourself off from experiencing your present moment, which is all that you can, you can actually only feel happy in the present moment. That's the only place you can ever feel happy, right? The future doesn't exist. It's just a set of thoughts you have. Mm. The whole world could blow up tomorrow and none of that future would happen. It's all imaginary. And it's like a little bit of a, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I've been doing it the whole time. Excellent. <laughs> um, it's, I'm just always nervous because occasionally I go on a podcast and they're like, right. oh my God, we have to bleep you out. <laughs> it's such a mind fuck. We really think the future is real because we spend so much time there mentally. We just, we like feel like it's real but it's just all completely imaginary. And so when you're in that hustle mode, you're never conscious of what's around you. You're not being present in your current moment. You're trying to hustle to that place where you're going to finally feel good all the time. But you never get there because any point you get to every day of your life, you're like, I still don't feel good all the time. So this isn't it. I must need to hustle farther, right? And then you can do that all the way to, to the grave. And then you're dead, you're dead. And you were never present in your life and you never got where you were trying to go. Now, is this, did you start having these feelings and thoughts when you were a women's rights lawyer? You, you're a Harvard law graduate, you were working as a lawyer, and then obviously take, took a huge life pivot to go into. <laughs> does uh, it seem like a normal career progression to you? I know, I know, Maybe. it totally does. Um, no, but it, were you starting to have these thoughts of like, of checking in with yourself at a present mm-hmm. time and wondering that, or, or just dreaming about making a change, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think I like I have always found being a human to be rather challenging. And it seemed like a lot of the people around me didn't even know that it was challenging for them. Like, I just sort of have always been kind of like, everybody know that most of us are acting crazy all the time. And like, why does everybody think this is normal? Like that, you know, that they're sort of both having so much trouble and having no coping skills. I just think I've always been like, this seems complicated and hard and we should probably ask some experts how to make it better. And like, I don't know why everybody else is just acting like this is how life has to be there. Like has got to be a better way. Um, so I, when I was like 16, I told my parents I wanted to go to therapy and they needed to like send me and pay for it. And like, from so from there, I was sort of like off to the races. But until I found the kind of thought work I teach, I d- had not found much relief. Like I, th- I had sort of gone to therapy and I had you know, what, what do you do when you're in your twenties and you're, you know, like I, I like started a meditation practice and I went to yoga and I went to therapy and I had like tried some forms of coaching that were not that effective. And all of it really was still from having the whole problem was I still thought that I was supposed to get somewhere where I felt good all the time. 
And so of course, nothing was helping me get there. Right. And it really wasn't until I found the kind of coaching that I now teach and my teacher, Brooke Castillo um, of the life coach school, where I'm sure someone had said it to me before, but you're not ready to hear it till, you know, it's like the saying is like, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Like we've all heard some of this stuff a million times. One day your brain can accept it for whatever reason. I was finally able to kind of hear and accept that like you're, if you just assume you'll feel bad half the time, then what? And that was like, I think the first big mind fuck moment of how freeing that was, like how much time and energy you can spend doing some other things if you just accept that sometimes you're going to feel bad. That was sort of mind blowing to me. I don't think many 16 year olds go to their parents and say, hey, mom and dad, I need to go to therapy. That's remarkable. I mean, the way you just kind of breezed past that and you're like, no. you know, what do you do like when you're 16 and in your 20s? Like you, I, I don't think many 16 <laughs> year olds do that. So it does seem yeah. like you were sort of like already on this path at a very young age. Was there anything specific in your life that made you do that? Yeah, was- I had like a, I had an eating disorder and I was like, well, I seem to be I'm apparently the one who knows that this is happening and is going to do something about it. So I think I need to go to therapy. I mean, that was basically the like, um, yeah, it was that. I mean, there were obviously underlying like causes for it, but that was basically the, I think that and I just was very, I I found childhood (laughs) to be rather stressful. (laughs) It's just like, you know, felt felt like I was pretty upset a lot of the time and that, you know, a therapist might might be helpful. I guess that is weird looking back. It's uh, not weird. It's it's impressive. <laughs> it it truly is yeah. because most 16 year olds are just worried about like, you know, what car they're driving and what song they're blaring when they pull up to yeah. high school. I was you a know? very weird, old, precocious child. Like I just was not I don't know how to, I mean, I was like, people started telling me their life stories and asked me for advice when I was like eight years old on the bus. Like I just had some kind of weird vibe about me. Partly, I think because I, we didn't have a TV growing up and I read a lot. So I was like, like completely developmentally inappropriate reading. So not like weird, not sexual even, but just like things I couldn't really understand, you know, like who reads Madame Bovary when they're eight years old? It's like not a normal so I think I just had this like very old air because most of what I was exposed to was like Victorian literature. Uh, and your dad was a rare art book rare dealer. Book dealer. That's rare where book this dealer. came from. Oh, yeah. book dealer. Got it. And yeah. so that's why you, did you just have these kind of novels lying around the house and picked it uh, up? No, he had a whole reading plan I was on. My father had a whole, oh, no. um, oh yeah, a whole like edu- additional educational plan because the formal education we were receiving was not sufficient. So there was a whole like negotiation of, I had to read, we had to read one. I was the oldest child. So, you know, the oldest always gets like the most structured situation. By the time they got to my, my youngest brother, it was like, is he literate? Okay, it's fine. Sent him to school, whatever. (laughs) But I was the first. So they had a lot of energy and ideas still. So it was a Mm -hmm. lot of like, it was like, I had to, I could pick a book to read and then I had to read a book he picked. Of course, it felt very unfair because I would pick like a babysitter's club book that was like, took an hour or two to read. And then his books were like, you know, the history of the English speaking people by Winston Churchill. And it would be like three volumes. Of like... Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> I have a great vocabulary now. So yeah. you know, he, he would say it turned out pretty well. I think it's turned out very, very well. Um, what made you all of a sudden want to go into life coaching? And yeah. just, like, what was it someone that you met? Obviously you received advice right when you were open to hearing it, it all started clicking. And then what made you say like, no, I, I want to, you'd obviously spent many years with an interest in, in therapy and, and being able to share and talk about feelings and thoughts. And, and, um, I always joke around with Kayla. I'm like, Kayla, you had my dream. Her mom's a therapist. So I'd be like, Oh my gosh, that's my dream. Just being able to oh be like, God. mom, the kids I need therapists to- are always like, it's the no, worst. It's, the I know. it's not a dream. Secretly. my dream. <laughs> it's not a dream. Yeah. But, but did you, what was that initial, um, when did you decide, okay, no, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to follow in this new path. Yeah. I, well, it's a funny story. Cause we're not always the best, uh, you know, we all have blocks in our self-awareness. So my supposed story is that I was, um, I was, I had like worked with a couple of different coaches after I tried, after I did years of therapy. And then I found my teacher's podcast, started listening to it. And it was just very concrete and accessible. I was able to apply it to my own life. It really kind of changed my life. And then I was actually um, on the path to becoming a law professor at the time. So I had a fellowships at law schools and I was running a think tank at Columbia Law School. And I was supposed to 
do what's called going on the market to get an academic teaching job, which is a big production. You have to like go to DC and do all these like 20 minute interviews with like a dozens of different schools running all around like a crazy person. And then you have to fly all around the country and give your, give a talk and get, it's just like a huge process. And so there was, I think, luckily for me, this kind of breaking point of like, well, if you're going to do this, it would be crazy to go through this whole process, spend two years, like spend a year doing nothing but trying to get this teaching job, move to Kansas, teach torts for a year and then become a life coach. Like this is like an an inflection point. So I don't know if I would have gone there as fast without kind of that. But what I experienced felt like this like revelation where I just woke up one morning and I was like, I'm going to quit and become a life coach. And like, I'm going to, I thought I was going to coach lawyers. I'm going to coach lawyers. I had this whole plan. But the punchline of the story is that I like six months later was in um, San Francisco seeing this friend of mine that I only see, I basically, we're like very close, but it's one of those, I see her when I'm out there, we don't really communicate in between. And so it was like, I had the big reveal to make. It was like doing this crazy thing. Like I'm going to quit this and become a life coach, you know? And, and I would been mostly satisfied. Mostly I was getting very satisfying, like shocked reactions. And she was like, but you've been saying you want to move to Costa Rica and become a life coach for years. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? She was like, you're always saying that. I like realized that was completely true. I was always saying that <laughs> as a quote unquote joke like out of the side of my brain because I couldn't really uh, like adopt or accept it. Mm. So it felt like it was this revelation, but I'd been for years joking about joking about doing this. And obviously my brain just, I could not accept that was like a real concept until very late in the process. So I don't think it was really quite the revelation that I pretended to experience it as (laughs) because I apparently had been talking about it for years. But then saw that it could be a true possibility and then you... You did it. You're doing yeah, it. I think it had to do with owning it. Like my, I mean, I think, um, you know, like so many women will say that they don't know what they want. And my experience, not just women, but I coach mostly women, but and my experience in coaching is that a hundred percent, they do know what they want deep down, but they just have all these reasons. They don't think it's possible or they don't think it's realistic or they're afraid to say it. And so what they really mean is like, well, I don't know what I want. If I can't have the thing I really do want, then I haven't figured out what thing I don't really want. I could like pretend to kind of want, like that's where all the confusion is. If you like clear all that stuff away, they do know what they want. So, but I had not, (laughs) nobody cleared it away from me. So I was just living in denial for a while. So let's do that. Yeah, your your podcast and your whole program is essentially called like unfuck your brain and you have to unfuck uh-huh. your brain and get and separate your thoughts from who you are. Where where do you usually start with anyone who's working with you? Is it along those lines where it's, you know, digging through getting to the bottom of what anyone really really wants and just clearing out all the negative thoughts no, it's not that they're scared to related. admit? to want it. I mean, it depends what you mean. If people come in with all different issues, so there isn't a specific thing, like people are working on whatever, like their job, their family, their parenting, their sex life, their history, their whatever, and literally anything under the sun. Um, and when I, when people, when people join the clutch, which is my feminist coaching community and membership, like the first thing you learn is a basic kind of process you can use for anything you're working on that teaches you how to figure out what you're thinking. Most people have no idea what they're really thinking. It's subconscious. We're not paying attention to it. We don't want to admit it to ourselves. We're judging it. So we like our awareness is not on it. So figure out what you're actually thinking and then how to, you learn how to observe it and be curious about it. We we tend to immediately judge what we're thinking. I shouldn't be thinking this or it's silly or I know it's not true or I don't want to think this way or right. All this like second level judgment we have. So you have to figure out what you're thinking. You have to learn to release that judgment, which is just a skill you practice. And then you learn how to kind of pull out your thoughts one by one and see what, how they make you feel, how you act when you feel that way, kind of what each thought is creating in your life. So like if my thought was, you can't be a life coach, that's ridiculous. You went to Harvard Law School and everybody would think you were an idiot. Like if that was one of my thoughts, what that was creating was me like constantly joking about being a life coach, not admitting to myself I was serious about it. But I, it wasn't like I half knew. I had completely like segmented that out of my brain and did not think that it was a serious thing. So, you know, your thoughts can be so, so powerful in shaping your life. And most of us are just living on autopilot. Like, I just hope my thoughts tell me something good today. <laughs> I hope that I like end up with a result I like in my life, which I'm not creating on purpose. So you learn how to identify, see your thoughts, be curious about them, identify what they're creating for you. And then you learn how to change them, which is again, like, I, you know, I, to me, I had never heard before 
it finally registered with me when I listened to my teacher that like you could decide what to think on purpose and that your thoughts are what cause your feelings. Like that was all mind blowing news to me. So that alone is pretty life changing. Sounds like it's trying to create this clear communication channel between your brain and the rest of your body. Like your brain's kind of like, you know, all confused and messed up. And then you're trying to create this sort of like peaceful channel to communication, which sounds easy, but it is so difficult. And that's why we need people like you. <laughs> it's yeah, really true. I think, I think that like, but it, yes, that it's awesome when it does feel peaceful. And I also think expecting that we should or like that's possible to always feel peaceful is part of what gets us tripped up. Right. Like. Sometimes the channels, like in order to, there's a certain point, I think when you do thought work where you can clear out enough stuff that you are pretty chill most of the time and you could just stay there, but then that means you aren't growing, right? Because every time that you try to do something new or do something hard or learn something new or go after something you haven't done before is going to bring up a bunch of new stuff for you to work through, right? So like, mm -hmm. I think the advanced level skill is like, learning how to embrace discomfort and move towards that, towards it, even though everything in our primitive brain is always screaming, like, get away from the pain, move away from the discomfort, like feel better. I love this concept of primitive. A part of my brain is primitive. So on these difficult days, I'm just going to be like, it's the monkey in me. It's the monkey in me. Totally. Okay, just relax. We call it's it lizard okay. brain. I think of it as a toddler sometimes that helps me be more compassionate to it. You know, right. it's just like total meltdown because the popsicle was the wrong flavor. Like we feel like mm -hmm. that as adults, but we don't think we're allowed to. And so then we like yell at ourselves and try to shove it down. And then it just all makes it so much worse. We had someone on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she had talked about her experience climbing Mount Everest. And the first time and she brought up this climbing term that was uh, climb high, sleep low. So I guess when you climb, you have to climb up high and then for your body to regulate, you rest at a lower hmm. elevation. And that's been what's helping me lately of just like mm -hmm. getting out of my comfort zone and being like, I don't like this. I feel uncomfortable. I just want to give up and say that I'm bad and I shouldn't do this. And this is mm -hmm. like embarrassing. And instead, I'm just like, no, 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 this is the rest period. I've just pushed myself to the max point of uncomfortability. Mm -hmm. And then this is where I just got to let my body acclimate a little bit mm -hmm. in this new <laughs> and, so and get some oxygen in. Yeah. Climb high, rest <laughs> low. Because it's, nice. it's it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable yeah. to get out. I've found it. And especially um, coming out of the year, it's funny. It's like, I feel like I needed to be home for a while. I My family in particular, we were long distance for a lot. My husband was working in, on the road and I was always working in a different state. And, and my stepdaughters were also in a different state. And then when we had a daughter together, we we're in a different state. And so we had, even though we'd all finally lived in the same house for four years, we're all busy and we hadn't mm -hmm. actually like been together and mm -hmm. and just even living in that state for a while of just like being together and and those mm -hmm. growing pains of what that is and I feel like now it's like the growing pains of we're all you know getting back acclimated into the world but I'm like no, no no where's my little tribe we have to stay together what are you guys all doing for dinner it's like a new codependency <laughs> mm -hmm. and I think you but can it's have not both. codependency like that's humans evolved in small tribes so yeah it's very normal for part of your brain to be like these are my safe people we need to go everywhere together just like mm -hmm. you wouldn't like strike off into the jungle by yourself not knowing where you were going and like leave your tribe behind yeah, yeah, it's really true. very true. And I think it's moving forward to like, you know, uh, coming out of this, no matter what that means to each individual, we're going to try and figure it out and set some goals, right? We're going to try and set some goals for the future <laughs> while still trying to live in the present. But you have this thing about trying to set impossible goals, right? And I want to talk about that because that feels so backwards to me. I read that and I went, what? No, I'm not reading that correctly. There's no way she means that. But instead of what mm -hmm. you actually mean is instead of setting a goal that we think we can accomplish, set a goal we can't. We don't yeah. think we can accomplish. Yeah. So that what? Is, <laughs> so I will say that this teaching depends a lot on what your tendency is. So you have to approach it differently. So if you are someone who never sets in, there's like sort of three groups. So like if you're someone who never sets ambitious goals for yourself, setting an impossible goal will really hurt your brain, right? But it requires you to kind of level up and try to do something big when you haven't tried to do that before. And I think for those okay. people, they usually do end up accomplishing their impossible. It is, it, it's not actually impossible. Got it. It actually is possible. Right. That's part of what you sometimes discover with an impossible goal is you do it. You're like, oh, part of the point of this project is that 
our brains are so our brains base our limitations, what they think we can do or can't do on like whatever, what we were taught as children, what we see around us, what the society tells us. Right. So our brains are just extremely wrong about what they think we're capable of and what they think is possible for us. And so setting an impossible goal requires you to stretch beyond what you think is possible for yourself. Right. The caveat to it is that there are certain people, many of them are my clients, who are, tend to set perfectionist goals and they think that's what an impossible goal is. So a perfectionist goal is like, right now I don't exercise consistently at all, but starting on Monday, I'm going to go to Pilates three times a week and yoga twice a week and then I'm going to cross train on the other day, right? It's this whole perfectionist, like I'm going to be perfect at this. I'm going to do this thing perfectly. I have this elaborate plan that I'm going to execute perfectly. And then the minute that something goes wrong or it doesn't work or I fall off the wagon, I just completely stop, beat myself up for six months, start again. That is not an impossible goal. When you commit to an impossible goal, you have to commit to taking what what, um, we call massive action, which means, which actually doesn't mean that every action has to be massive. It could mean taking a little action every day. What it means though, is you will not stop taking action until you get to the goal. Mm. Like that's it. There's just no negotiating. That seems like a doable thing. Yeah. When you break it down like that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And we're back. Um, I definitely want to talk about neuroplasticity and what that means. I know you you talk about uh, it's just your your brain's ability to change neural patterns. I I also want to talk to that in relation to you. We think our thoughts they're separate from who we are, but the reality of a lot of those thoughts are kind of programmed into us from a very young age, mm-hmm. you know. And and so in breaking those old patterns, so how does that play into neuroplasticity? in our older years, especially maybe, you know, for us, we're in our thirties. There's a lot of things that we are conditioned to think about ourselves that had to do with, um, you know, our childhood before we were even aware of things that we were kind of like programming into ourselves. How does that all play in together when you start working with someone? Well, I think there's a myth that neuroplasticity is something that like children have and adults don't have, right? If you've ever learned anything new, that's neuroplasticity, right? My 70 year old father can use a cell phone and text me with emojis. He didn't grow up learning how to do that when he was 10, right? He's learned to do that now. Anything you learn is neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is just the ability of the brain to change itself, right? Your brain is plastic, meaning, you know, like the, it's, that's not how we usually word the, use the word plastic now because now there's a whole category of physical objects called plastic. But in this context, plastic means ability, um, able to be changed, right? Moldable, changeable. So neuroplasticity is just the ability of the brain to change and grow and create new neural networks. Whenever you have a thought, it's basically just electricity, right? Going through your brain, your neurons are connecting, your neurons form new pathways. And so when you, I think one of the big misunderstandings about like, 
affirmations or positive thinking or even like mindset work is that people think that the way it works is they're supposed to be able to think a new thought and then it's just supposed to like take like it's like a magic incantation and they thought it once and now it's somehow supposed to replace the shitty thought they've been thinking 400 times a day for the last 20 years. (laughs) Right, right. That's not how it works. I think the amazing magical gift news is that you don't have to think a new thought for as long as you thought the old thought in order for the new thought to take over. Like, thank the universe for that. Like you can, it's much less time. You can actually change your thoughts, but it's like going to the gym. You don't just go to the gym and be like, well, I, you know, I've decided that I believe I can deadlift 400 pounds and I picked it up and it all <laughs> yeah. went fine. Like that's how you break your back, right? You have to condition yourself and you have to practice and you have to literally like you're trying to create a new neural pathway. You're trying to get a bunch of neurons that haven't fired together this way now to fire together over and over until if you've ever heard the saying neurons that fire together, wire together. It's like if you repeat something and the neurons keep firing together that way, they it becomes a habit. It's like a new mental habit. So the big thing that people are missing with like cognitive change or mindset work or affirmations or whatever is that the thought has to be believable. Which I like teach you know, how to kind of learn which thoughts are believable to you or not. And you what, have to what's pract- a believable thought? Sorry. I've never a heard believable this term thought before. is just the human brain is capable of saying a sentence it doesn't believe, right? So I can think the thought the world was founded by flying monkeys from Mars. Like I can say those words. I don't believe them, right? So part of what goes wrong is when people try to b- try to come up with a new thought they're going to think, they pick something that sounds good, but they believe it as much as I believe that like monkeys from Mars founded the Earth, right? right? They're just able to say the words in their head. They don't believe it. The way you know you believe a thought is like a whole other thing we could do a whole podcast on, but you basically have to learn how to tap into your body so that you can feel if you have any change in your body when you think the new thought, Hmm. right? So if your thought is my stomach is disgusting and when you think that you feel like shame or sadness or whatever you might feel, mostly probably shame, the way if you think the thought, I love my amazing stomach, for most people, if that's the first thought, positive thought they're trying to think about their stomach, that's way too far. You can say the words just like you can say monkeys from Mars founded the planet, but they will have no change in the feeling in their body because they don't Mm. believe that. But if you learn how to come up with um, neutral thoughts, like what I call sometimes a ladder thought or a baby step thought, it's just a thought that's like slightly less shitty than your current thought. Right. So for instance, this is a human stomach. If you teach someone how to connect to their body, they will be able to feel the difference in their body between my stomach is disgusting and this is a human stomach, right? So that's how we we know we found a believable thought when we get some shift in our body and how we physically feel a little less ashamed, a little more neutral, a little relief, a little lighter. And then you have to practice that thought. Like neuroplasticity is not a, I mean, it is kind of magic, but it's not like a magic spell where you just say it once. You're like, hey brain, neuroplasticity, listen, now we believe this and you just go about your business. You have to repeat it over and over again. Do you have a good one for social anxiety as we're all starting to slowly emerge back into the world again? It totally, I know I well, it has to depend a lot that. on what the original thought is. So what's your thought that causes you social anxiety? Oh gosh. Um, I talked too much. I sounded dumb. Okay, I... let's just pick one of those. Which one's I your favorite? I talk too much. Talk too much. Okay, so close your eyes. We're, I'm just gonna coach you live right now. You ready? I love it. Oh, okay. Co- yeah, close okay. your eyes. Okay. I talk too much. Tell me what you feel in your body when you think I talk too much. Uh, oh, like immediately, like in by my rib cages, like I just, I feel like my shoulders shrink down. My ribs feel tight. Okay. And I feel so, slightly nauseous. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you feel anxious, but that's good. Physical description. You're very, you're very tapped into your body. I should say for listeners, if you can't articulate it as well as that the first time, that's totally fine. This is somebody who has done some somatic work before right? Like I'm going to guess you've done, this is not the first time anyone's asked you how you feel in your body, probably. No. And it's also, I, I, this sounds really silly. I'm an actor. So I think some of this yeah, is from my okay, no, acting is. classes. Yeah, I know. Is. I'm like rolling my eyes at myself, but it's true. I know. <laughs> okay, what you just did just now. Oh my God. We could totally coach you about Okay. You just totally <laughs> undermined and disclaimed your own authority because you actually have a developed skill as an actor, I'm clicking into your body and you're so embarrassed right now because I'm saying something yeah. positive about you that you wanted to disclaim. So we're going to have another podcast episode where we coach you about that. Okay, okay. perfect. <laughs>
so any listeners, I'm going to, we're going to do the thought thing in a minute, but I just want, it's important to understand for people listening, like we're often encouraged to disconnect from our bodies. And so if you haven't had practice, it's totally normal that if you, it takes practice, just got to add, like, you can, you can look up body scan online and find a list of questions to ask yourself. You just have to practice paying attention to your body. Don't expect to necessarily be as fluent at it as Candace was just now. The first time that doesn't mean something's gone wrong. It's okay, okay if your answer is bad. And when you ask, yeah, how do you I mean, feel I think the first we, time we you go do, through this? Yeah, we do want to practice the physical scan because that's going to help us when we go to the next thought. Okay. Yeah. But like, even so, I promise you have feelings. Like people will come and be like, I can't feel any of my feelings. And I'm like, well, then why did you come to coaching? <laughs> Obviously, you can feel some of your feelings, right? right? Like you only <laughs> seek out some help if you feel like it feels bad in your body, you don't like that. We're just animals, right? We're like, this feels bad. I need help. So you can feel your feelings. It's just a practice. Okay. So close your eyes again. When you, when you think I talk too much, you feel that anxiety, you feel your shoulders are hunching. You said your ribs are going down. You feel nauseous. Okay. So now we need to come up with, I'm just going to offer you some thoughts because we're doing this live and we don't want okay. <laughs> to take too long. <laughs> let's just, let's just try some out. Um, what do you feel if you think I'm thinking, so here's an example of like a neutral thought that corresponds to like, this is a human stomach. What do you feel if you think some people talk more than others and that's normal? Do you feel any change in your body? Um, slight relief. Some people talk more than others and that's normal. Yeah. It feels, it feels like it's okay. I'm, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's, it's the grace that I'm giving myself. Yes. Okay, so that'd be a good first step up. Oh, go ahead, visually, Tim. no, I was just going to say visually for those who can't see, she took a deep breath and a little mm-hmm. small smile started to form. <laughs> yeah, so just yeah. if I'm like analyzing this visually as well, it does seem like a, it's slight relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. Yes. So we could just stop there. Let's we're just going to try a few more because okay. we're, we're doing this because we're in it because <laughs> we're in it. But that would be awesome. And if you we're just like the most important thing to remember is we're just going for slight relief. Yeah, not even neutral. Okay, to be useful, a new thought just has to feel five to 10% less shitty than your current thought. Mm, That's it. It does not have to feel much better because we're not going to stay there forever. We're going to practice until that's our default thought. And then we're going to do another thought, right? And then eventually your brain just starts doing it for you. You don't actually have to move up by 5% every time. It's like you do this process a few times over weeks or whatever as you're practicing and then your brain does it. But let's just just go crazy and try a positive thought. Sometimes you are ready to believe a positive thought. Okay. Well, how do you feel if you think there are some people who love how much I talk? There are some people who love how much I talk. Um, ooh, that one does not feel good. Okay. That so you have no, me. right. So you don't believe that. <laughs> I okay. don't believe that. So here's your homework. You can open your eyes. Here's your homework. I, there are hundred percent are people who love how much you talk. And I want you to go make a list. Here's what comes at the top of my mind right now. Anybody watching you perform in a show? Anybody who listens to your fucking podcast. That's what I was just going to (laughs) say. Because people like to listen to you so embarrassing. (laughs) But this is what brains do. It's not not embarrassing. Literally all of us, when you deconstruct our thoughts, they're completely insane. They don't make any sense, right? Mm. You have a podcast. You're like, well, people don't like to hear me talk. (laughs) Right. A successful podcast that people love. (laughs) I don't know how many downloads you guys have, but you should just be thinking that number to yourself (laughs) all the time. Like nobody likes to listen to me talk except for the, however many people download my podcast for free all the time. They're just listening for the ads, Cara. Yeah, right. You know that. That's why I listen to podcasts is because I've never heard of Brooklyn and I just really want someone to tell me about it. Oh, this okay. is, um, it's crazy this is to good. see how the change that made yeah. in the few minutes that mm-hmm. we just did that. I mean, yeah. that's incredible. And the visual change, too. I know yeah. for our people who are not listening, it was such a clear, distinct visual change as well. Yeah. So um, that's just a few minutes of your time. Coach, it's remarkable. It's magic, y'all. It's really, I mean, I'd like to say it's all me, but it's really not. It's well, just it's a science very, and magic together. It's science and is, magic. Yeah, it's a very effective method. But you saw how she didn't need to, like, we, what happens is people try to go too positive, right? And then they don't right. believe it. Now, I think we could get her to believe that thought pretty quickly because since I happen to know that she has a podcast and now she sees how hilarious that is, she probably <laughs> right. actually can move there pretty right. quickly. Right. But you notice like all these neutral thoughts, I'm using qualifiers. Like I was like, some people like this, right? Some people talk more like, so one of the techniques I used was a qualifier. I didn't say to her, she should try to think everybody loves how much I talk. 
some people love how much I talk. Mm. And even in the first neutral thought, it was some people talk more, some people talk less. And I call that like, it's not a qualifier. That one is more like a um, depersonalizer. You make it about people in general. Yeah. So it's like my stomach is disgusting to this is a human stomach. Right. I talk too much to like some people talk more, some people talk less. Like you're taking it like it's not about you. It's like just people in general. It's yeah. kind of like there are other a lot because so much shame comes from alienation, right? Mm-hmm. It's when we believe that we are different and wrong from other people. And that's what we feel anxiety and shame about. And so anything you can do to show your brain like, well, oh, there are other people like me. Like there are other people who look like me. There are other people who act like me, whatever it is. That is that is usually pretty effective for like a neutral thought. That makes sense. Suddenly you're not alone mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, exactly. And we are in it together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, if any of our listeners um, care to learn more about your practice, obviously they can listen to your podcast, Unfuck Your Brain, the Unfuck Your Brain podcast. And where else can they find you on socials as well? Um, Well, my name is, it's a long name. My Instagram handle is like at Cara Lowenthal. But if you Google Unfuck Your Brain, Cara, you will find me. That's how you can easily find me. I should have changed my name years ago, but it's too late now. And just go to unfuckyourbrain.com. Yeah, just go to unfuckyourbrain.com. Everything is there. Uh, You can find me on social the same way. And if you want more of this, I am, am the creator of The Clutch, which is a feminist mindset coaching community. So we do this kind of work all day long. And that's at unfuckyourbrain.com. Also, you'll see a tab for it. Cara, we could do this all day long with you. Thank you so much, truly, for thank taking you. the time yeah, to be with us. And, and to unfuck Candace's brain. And yeah, it's always it. fun to take it there live when people are willing. Thanks for having me. So great. So Candace, how do you feel after that experience? Do you feel like you can actually take that thought and continually yeah. do this or not? Because, I mean, sometimes we are skeptics of this self-help. Sometimes we're in it and we love it and it helps us. And then other times we're kind of rolling our eyes and going, okay, we've had enough of it. You know, I mean, we do experience a lot of it at, on this podcast. No, I think it's it's very, I actually 100% responded to that. And it is, and I, I liked the reminder of how physical it is and listening to the physical cues. Like if it makes you, like the fact that you're like, oh, Candace, you just smiled and took a deep breath. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I did. I didn't even notice that. And in it and just listening to how our body responds to our thoughts. I really liked connecting those thoughts. Uh connecting those dots. I th- I think it is possible. I think it's exactly what Kara was saying. It though, you cannot just go to the d- gym and deadlift four hundred pounds. You right. have to, you know, it's a practice. And that is something I think I've been learning more throughout the last year of my own therapy is just it's all the small little day-to-day practices of just being kinder to yourself and and recognizing your thoughts. And you're not going to see the benefit of that work in 24 hours. You're going to see it maybe in like two to four months or even a year or however long it takes, but Mm -hmm. it really is a practice. So the fact that, you know, I was even able to recognize the physical feelings and I, I just, I definitely would like to say that I just like from a few acting classes. But the reality too is I've also been in therapy for the last year. I just was really aware of the fact that I was not in my right mindset while I was pregnant during the pandemic. I just was really, really anxious and I and I it was coming out in a lot of different ways. And so um I feel really fortunate to have found a therapist that I worked well with and worked well with me and was able to start to do a lot of that work, which I'm feeling the benefits now a little over a year later. Right. I think that's what's so important about all of this is each and every one of us find finds what works for us because it's what works for one person isn't going to work for the other. And so I think it's a process and it, we need to be okay with being on the search, trying something and then realizing, you know what, that's not for me, trying something else and realizing, you know what, maybe a little bit of that works for me, but then it's, you tailor it to what works for you. And so for our listeners, if, if therapy isn't something that you love, that's okay. Try meditation or try something else. Just continually trying to find what can kind of um, help us through this time because pandemic or no pandemic life is hard what Kara said being a human is hard and it's okay accepting that and kind of figuring out what works for you and having a little toolbox that you can kind of touch and open up whenever you need to 
what's helped you? What, have, has well, there I'm any... going to sound like a broken record because I like meditation and we've talked. I that's feel okay. like that for that's me, okay. that's something that really works and clearing my brain completely really works. And I feel better afterwards, lighter afterwards, even just 10, 20 minutes of it has been something that I love. And also knowing that meditation is sometimes just, you know, we had a great episode with, um, Morgan Harper Nichols, well, she talks about just sitting under a tree and looking up at the tree. And that to me is a form of meditation. It's just taking time to, to just be with yourself and figuring out what works. But you've also practiced this from a young age. Right. Correct. So you didn't just like wake up one day and be like, oh, I've meditated. I get it. I know how to do this. And this immediately like centers me like you. Right. You've this has been years in the making of practice and you know how to tap back into that practice. That Yeah. And some days it's really easy and some days it's really hard. Yeah. And I can't get there. And that's okay too. And kind of understanding that the mind is really powerful. Yeah. But it, and, and it, sometimes it just takes like smaller steps. You don't just jump from A to Z. You got to like ease into it. And that's what I appreciated. Steps. Yes. I appreciated Kara today just saying, you know, if you don't believe it and you're going from, you know, something that makes you really uncomfortable to pretending that it's like so comfortable and you're totally okay with it might not work and it probably won't. So let's just ease into it. Right. Um, and I and I really love that. And I think that and yeah, grace I feel like grace has just been my my like mantra word of twenty twenty one so far. It's just, you know, feeling the grace. Just going uh-huh. with grace. Giving yourself grace. I love that. That's so great. Carl Lowenthal, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that our listeners, you enjoyed this episode as well. We'll have an all new episode of Directionally Challenged waiting for you next week. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Edited by Katrina Henning. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King and advertising partnership with ACAST.